welcome to the Sovereign Society Podcast, a sacred lifestyle sanctuary empowering you to honor the journey, trust the process, and radiate your radness. I'm your host, Sabrina Riccio, soulful business mentor, kundalini yoga teacher, and modern medicine priestess who's on a mission to anchor heaven on earth in this golden era. Join me every week as I'll be sharing with you real talk conversations with some of my favorite sacred disruptors, modern mystics, and soulpreneurs. We are a collective of conscious creators who understand that life is happening for us, not to us. As our contribution to the evolution of humanity, we are honored to share with you all things social justice, personal empowerment, and what it takes for you to activate your legacy. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the Sovereign Society podcast. Prepare yourself because the journey to reclaim your power awaits. This episode is brought to you by the only tax prep guide you'll ever need. So let's face it, tax season is here and there can be a lot coming up to the surface like, oh fuck, I have to like do my taxes or like, yeah, let's do my taxes. Doesn't matter what your mindset is, the fact is we in the spiritual community, we have not been recognized in the world of taxes for our work and for our contribution to humanity and society. It takes us to really start shifting the paradigm by taking action and implementing this change. So I've teamed up with my dear friend Evelyn Von Zool to be sharing with you Taxes for Creatives, which is dedicated and geared towards you spiritual entrepreneurs, you freelancers, you creators who are ready to reclaim your power and transmute the patriarchal and outdated system once and for all. So during this experience, we are giving you all that you need to know to really prepare your taxes, to alchemize your enterprise, and activate more abundance and prosperity. What it takes is you aligning to your highest self through quantum expansion, kundalini activation, and modern mysticism to really understand and know how this whole process works. So Evelyn and I are sharing with you all the goods you need to know, everything from how to properly organize your business finances, how to implement kundalini yoga and modern mysticism in order to activate more abundance and prosperity, the truth and the root about your values and how you align to your highest self as well as how to discover your astrological career patterns through your natal chart and what it takes for you to rewrite your money stories. So during this experience, you'll be getting beautiful Excel spreadsheets to organize your finances, to cultivate that balance of the masculine and feminine energy to really pay reverence and respect to your money and your abundance, as well as the astrological insights, kundalini yoga meditations, and community support through this experience and our members-only portal throughout tax season. So if you are ready to join us, if you're ready to reclaim your power and really align your taxes to these frequencies and to these energies, we invite you to go check out Taxes for Creatives course and sign up before the 27th of February to save $54. If you want to learn more, all you have to do is visit bit.ly slash taxes for creatives, the number four. So taxes number four creatives, and you'll discover everything you need to know about what it takes for you to really alchemize your enterprise and begin to rewrite the story once and for all. Hello, 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 and welcome to a new episode of the Sovereign Society Podcast. I'm your spirit guide, Sabrina Riccio, and I am so excited to be sharing with you this podcast. And what is blowing my mind is that after I recorded this episode with Brianna D of the Shadow Light Podcast, we were chatting and 
come to find not only do we have a lot of the same story of going through the trenches and the depths of our soul and going through these really, really, really dark periods of our lives time and time again, especially in our early childhood, but we both have a very similar path with school. So she and I both went to San Diego State uh, and then we transferred and graduated from Chapman University. Like, what? This is crazy. This is insane. So I'm just like blown away of how the universe brings these people into my life and brings people into our lives of the synchronicities and the I see you, you see me. Like we see each other. We understand what they're coming from because we're never alone on this journey and that they're is always a divine plan and a divine purpose to everything we've experienced, everything we endure. So it was such a trip just to have this conversation with her. And this was one of the first conversations of the new year. So I'm so grateful and excited to be sharing this episode with you. And so if you don't know who Brianna is, she's a highly respected and sought after consultant who specializes in soulful business strategy and storytelling. Her business savvy and expertise has landed her as a director of communications for BrandUp, which is a branding studio for wellness brands and the host of the Shadow Light, the podcast. And in Shadow Light, she is there interviewing lightworkers and people who make the world a brighter place by finding their inner power, facing their shadows and standing in their truth because it's important for us to go out there to share our stories. And this is what she holds. She holds that container with her podcast. And so after her legal career, she became, she was a lawyer for seven months and she decided to quit and she launched her Shadow Light podcast and she realized that her true purpose lies in helping people step into their power. And so again, this soul sister right here, right? You know my story if you've listened to podcasts before and this was just incredible conversation. And so she's very passionate about sharing her own story of loss and her experience with mental health struggles along with her story of achievement and success. Uh, She's here and she's really here to inspire countless people to do what she deems is the most important work that we humans can do, both professionally and personally. And that is to write and share our own stories. And if you know me, you know I'm so passionate about storytelling. And that was my driving force of why I started the podcast. And I know it's part of her driving force and why she started the Shadow Light podcast. And in this podcast, we... We went there, we talked about honoring the path of darkness, the gift of presence, and the importance of being here now. We also talked about how to connect the dots of your past to discover your passion and purpose. And her journey of growing up in a household of parents who were uh, addicted to drugs and alcohol. And this was so beautiful just to see her journey and what she's been able to overcome. And so we also talked about transmuting trauma and PTSD and how shadow work is light work. And the importance of all of this is our power and the power of choice. This is what sovereignty is, right? It's the power of choice. And so we talked about that as well as the importance of really embracing all facets of your human experience. So I'm beyond thrilled to be sharing with you guys this one because it goes really deep. And then it's also really inspiring. Her journey has been it was just, I was emotional. I was crying listening to it because I it felt it was an opportunity to feel like I'm not alone and there's someone out there that, you know, like, wow, someone who's in my field that gets it too. So it was just really 
heartwarming for me to hear her and to see her and see what she's done and how she's serving humanity by speaking her truth and sharing her truth. And it's just so refreshing to see. And it's, it's always like a, that beacon of hope that we love to see and to know that we're never alone and what we're capable of when we put our heart and soul into it and really commit to doing the work. And so I'm really excited to be sharing with you this episode with Brianna B. And this is all about how shadow work is light work. So enjoy. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Sovereign Society podcast. I'm really stoked because this is my last podcast interview of my 40-day social media detox. And so I've been really diving in deep uh, these past 40 days of my own shadows and my own light and what can I bring forth into 2019 and beyond. And so to have Brianna D here with me, it's, uh, it's so refreshing because there's not a lot of people that I can really talk about deep shadow work with. Like a lot of people avoid it. And what I've learned over the years is that there is no avoidance. <laughs> like we need to allow ourselves to dive in deep if we really want to excel to the next and the higher levels, especially as spiritual business and spiritual entrepreneurs, we have to be willing to honor all facets of our human experience. So I'm really excited to have Brianna here today. So thank you, sister, for being here and for being the light and for sharing your medicine. Thanks for Hello. being here. Thanks for having me. Wow. Yeah, this is going to be an exciting one. We've already had like crazy tech stuff and it's not Mercury <laughs> retrograde. And so I, I always feel like when conversations like that happen or when, it, when, the, when the process of recording, it's because like something is coming up for someone that's like mm -hmm. going to be triggered to mm -hmm. work through. I love that. You know what I mean? It's like, when that oh, stuff happens, I'm always just like, what's happening? I know. I know. I've been living, I mean, I've been living by the mantra that like everything's happening for me and not to me. And that yeah. in itself has been like such a game changer. And uh, it was interesting because my dear friend, Allison Charles, she was like, you have to have Brianna on. And I was like, oh yeah. Like, and then I was like, oh, of course, like this is, yeah. I, I respect you because I, I know like, even though all of our stories are different, like I, I understand the depth of what you've had to go through in the mm. deep shadows of healing and transmuting and um, living a life of Al-Anon and, you know, overcoming with um, addictive parents and things like that. So um, mm -hmm. I appreciate you for being the light and for yeah. helping other people be the light. So I just want you to talk and share with us a little bit about your passion. And because I believe that our passion and our purpose go hand in hand. And so mm -hmm. what we've experienced, you know, and the things that light us up and the things that really ignite something within us really are the cue of that inspiration and of how we're here to serve. So I would love for you to share what's coming up with you with all of that and your journey. Totally. Um, it's funny because the thing that I want to say first that I always want to lead with is like, I just am all about shadows. Like, I just want to talk about darkness all day. And 
that is just, it's not always received well or perceived in the same way that I perceive it. So for me, I know for so many years, I had such a hard time with the hard stuff because well, for a long time, I just pushed it, pushed it, pushed it away. And was just like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Like, you know, didn't talk about it. Most of the people in my life didn't even know what I'd been through or what I was experiencing. Cause I was just like, yeah, I'm good. Like all is good. I'm just going to get a job. I'm just going to live my life. And like when people did know, and they'd say something of like, oh my gosh, how are you doing? I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, it's just life. It's normal. It's what you go through, whatever. Mm. But it was a way of really avoiding it and repressing it. And so once it started coming up, it came up in such a big way because I had spent so many years just trying to like survive, you know? I mean, that's really all it is. It's a survival mechanism. We aren't ready to deal with things that we aren't ready to deal with, so we don't deal with them yet. And I hit a point where um, I had been kind of unraveling for about a year, and then I broke up with a boyfriend who was a very like safe, secure, loving. He was my, my first real safe container in my life that I just could totally relax into. And so the breakup became like, it's funny. Cause when I broke up with him, I was like, whatever, like I, I deserve more. I'm going to move on with my life. What, like, you know, like I'm strong, independent woman, whatever. But as soon as like the next week came and then the week after, and after about a month of kind of like, what the heck just happened? Am I allowed to curse? So I was going to say, fuck yeah, you can say okay. what the fuck you want. I was going to say what the fuck, and I was like, oh, am I allowed to? I don't oh, know. Oh, no, I'm like, um, I'm, I have a sailor mouth. I mean, it's the same, but um, yeah, so I kind of, after maybe a month or so, was just like, what the fuck? And all of a sudden, I just started feeling everything. It was like, I finally had this safe container where I was telling him about things I'd never told people about, and was really leaning into my experiences, and he grew up with a very... um nurtured loving home and so for him it was so the opposite of his experience that he was always like so impressed by me amazed by me and like wow I just can't believe you are who you are and all the stuff that I was like what are you talking about like it's just normal that's just life and he was like no that's no no and so a lot of credit for who I was and what I was doing and what I'd been through and then um when that relationship ended I had to learn to give myself credit for it and that shit sucked because then I had to actually feel it and it was like I didn't know I mean for two years it felt like I was just barely keeping my nose above water it was like you know my head was underwater but just like my nose was Mm -hmm. up there so I could like kind of breathe but there was always stuff splashing up there like I just I really felt like I was barely hanging on and during that period of time when I would try to talk to people about it or even just ease into the conversation, not even getting to a point of really talking about the deep stuff, people were just so like uncomfortable with it and taken aback by it. And just, um, you know, what I like to say is they weren't comfortable looking at their own stuff. How would they look at mine? And, you know, it's that same expression, like you can only meet people as far as you're willing to go for yourself. Um, Yeah, I just, that, that period of time, I really leaned into the pain and I was really alone and lonely and depressed and I was suicidal and was thinking about dying pretty much all day every day for about two years um and not or maybe not suicidal isn't the right word because I wasn't actively trying to commit suicide but I just wanted it to all be over I, I just didn't I want to feel it you mean I've been there. yeah and so it, it really took going through that period of time and I was in my last year of law school 
And then I was working for a judge in a domestic court after, and I was living in New Orleans, which I loved the city. It was so vivacious and so home, like my soul, it just lit up my soul. But at the same time, I didn't have a support system there. I didn't have a strong community. Um, The community itself is so strong that I felt supported, more supported by strangers than some friends in my life. But at the same time, I just was really very much alone and sad and lonely and in a lot of pain. And the only ways or the only people that I felt like I had to lean on were books and podcasts and different mediums where other people were talking about what they had been through that I could start relating with. And so, yeah, that was a long-winded answer to say that I leaned so much on other books and other podcasts and other people who were putting themselves out there in an open, big way that once I kind of started coming up above water again, and I, I was still struggling, but I was starting to see a little bit more clearly. I just, that was all I wanted to do was just be out there and be able to be somebody that somebody else who was where I was at that point could look at and be like, okay, she made it. I can make it. Like, let me just hold on one day longer. or Let me just look for one more answer, one more book or one more question, or I don't even know, just something to inspire and move me forward. See, like you hearing you talk about that, like there's literally tears in my eyes because (laughs) I have that same, very similar situation. Like 2012, my whole world crumbled after I was struck by lightning, like everything fucking crumbled and books were my safe haven. And I read like a hundred books in a year. Like I was reading like a book, like every Mm -hmm. three days or so, you know, because I didn't want to project my stuff on my friends. And I also didn't feel like there was like a a capacity that could be held for me like that, you know, because I just felt so deep in that depth that I I just, I didn't want to be like a nuisance to other people. So I just kind of like went within and was like, I also didn't understand it yet. You know, I knew what I was feeling. I felt what I was feeling, but I didn't get it. I couldn't have known how to say, like I do, looking back, I did have people in my life that if I would have said, hey, this is what I'm going through. This is what I need, you know, A, B, C, D, then sure, they would have been like, okay, how do I support you? But I was like, I don't know. I just, everything's just so dark. (laughs) Yeah. And the thing is too, is we're in it and we're just like trying our best. We're like doing our best every day. There's a lot of shit that's coming up, shit that isn't ours, shit that is ours. Like, and then because we're in this space, like our orc field is really low. Like we kind of become a magnet to a lot of other dark stuff too, outside of us that isn't just ours the the in the like attracts like in a way of like those situations come up to be like hey there's a better alternative for you to choose you know and I but I also think those moments like what you experience what I experience it gives you a deeper grit when you go out into the world of empathy and compassion you know because if we've been able to survive the darkest of our pits we can help hold that space or support someone else that's going through their too, going through it right now too so they don't feel alone we've felt that space we know what they're feeling like and there is another way so right. what was what was it that you were saying like okay there's another way i know you're talking about you're reading books and doing all these things but what was like 
what would you say were the things that were like really like all right like this is another way like I'm choosing I'm choosing else like differently for a long time I don't think there was a thing and I honestly don't even know that I can articulate what that choice was because it was it literally felt like holding on by a string you know like I just I felt really heavy all the time I had lost a bunch of weight I was very just like kind of like dragging energy Mm -hmm. Uh, and there were always little moments little bursts of light little like things to lead me to the next thing maybe the next book or podcast or healer or experience I mean shoot sometimes it was literally sitting on a park bench by myself and watching presence presence yeah yeah, and watching mm-hmm. like a dog running around so happy and having that little moment of, oh, joy exists. Like I used mm-hmm. to love every time I've been in my darkest spells, because I've had periods of depression in the past as well. And even when I lived in California, so I would go sit on the beach or I would take long walks on the boardwalk and just watch all the families playing and loving. And mm-hmm. I was feeling so opposite, but it was kind of like that, okay, it's there, it's there, it's here. Um, when I lived in New Orleans, there's this big park, Audubon Park, and I would just walk, it's a big circle. I would just walk that circle for literally two or three hours sometimes if I, if it was a weekend and I wasn't working or I didn't have something else going on. I didn't really have a social life because I didn't know how to hold myself in places. So I would literally just go on walks for hours and just like observe the world around me. And then I'd put podcasts in my ears and listen to like, um, Elizabeth Gilbert and Brene Brown and Glennon Doyle Melton. They were three of the big ones that were like my first kind of introduction into that feelings realm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're pretty good. I don't want to say a low barrier of entry because they are deep. It just wasn't really the um, going into the nitty gritty of the dark stuff as much as it's leaning into your feelings. Mm-hmm. And like Oprah, Super Soul Sunday, like I started with that really inspirational and kind of like lighting you up and kind of like leaning into things. And then the longer or the more time that went on, the more I was able to lean into things, I started getting into the darker stuff. And mm-hmm. I should also say that there's kind of irony in all of this because I went to law school to work in mental health law. Like my passion was mental health advocacy, um, criminal justice advocacy. So I was working in mental institutions in prisons with people in poverty. Um, I worked in like civil disability, so people who um, were below the line of poverty who were also disabled and didn't have access to resources. Like, I was in the darkest, deepest shadows, but that was a place that I knew how to operate in because of the chaos and, like, what I had experienced with my family is that kind of um, deeper, darker, like, the turbulence of survival. I got that down. Like, the chaos, the survival easy peasy lemon squeezy. Like I could show up and sit and hold your hand if you're, you know, dying. But as soon as I sat and looked into the things that bring life, the really dark corners of your soul, the things that hurt that really are like the catalyst to your change, to your evolution, all of those things. Those were the things that were like a level above the survival and going into the more of like coming back to life and like making room to then be able to transition into the thriving. Like, Mm -hmm. and these are all things I look at now and I'm only Mm -hmm. literally in the past, maybe even like two or three months, I'm still just kind of learning how to articulate it and how Mm -hmm. to look back and be like, Oh, that's what I was doing. Cause Mm -hmm. I still, I'm like, I feel like every podcast interview I do, I learn something new. (laughs) Like things come through. I, 
Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, oh, like I do these podcast interviews for me too. And like mm-hmm. the, the, inter- the interviews that I even have where I'm holding space, it's like so relevant with where I am too. The way, yeah. It's funny how that the universe lines up for that. And uh, mm-hmm. I hear you on that. It's, it's, it's a very interesting journey. Cause like, to me, it sounds like you're a lot like a, like a shadow death doula. Like you help people mm-hmm. really like navigate through that space. I actually just interviewed a death doula for my podcast like two weeks ago. And amazing. I'm so it was so amazing. And it's funny. Cause the other thing is literally most of the interviews that I have with people by the end of the interview, I'm like, I want to do that. Like I want to be a death doula. <laughs> But I also like as permission kid, granted now <laughs> and like studying the Tibetan book of the dead in high yeah. school, like yeah. reading my, one of my favorite books is Helter Skelter, the Charles Manson murder. Like, but, like as a kid, that's where I went into the darkness, but I didn't even know. I didn't even put it together. I loved cemeteries. My high school boyfriend mm-hmm. made fun of me because we would always go to like, we could drive up to LA to go have like a fun date day. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, can we stop by the Hollywood Forever Cemetery? Which that one's very like mainstream, not like an old school cemetery, but every single city I've ever visited in the world, I've gone to a cemetery and a library. Those are and like- you were living in New Orleans. Are you kidding me? Like, Why, why do you think I was drawn to New Orleans? <laughs> Literally. So New Orleans, Tulane was the last law school on my list. So I am a psychopath. Like when I... I, when I do things, I do them over the top. So when I was applying to law school, everyone's like, just apply to like five or six schools, you know, maybe do one or two safety schools, like two or three that you like and one or two reaches. And I was like, fuck that. I'm doing at least 12 and six of them are going to be out of reach. Like ones that I know I don't qualify for, like academically, my numbers just don't match up, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Like I applied to Harvard. I applied to um, Vanderbilt and like all these schools that I was nowhere near the threshold of entry, but I was like, might as well try. So I had 11 schools that I had applied to and my 12th one was open and I had literally nothing that was calling to me. And then I saw an advertisement for Tulane, which I had never even heard of this school, but I saw it was in New Orleans. And I was like, oh, well, I want to go check out New Orleans anyway. I've never been like, if I get in, it'll just be a good excuse to go visit whatever. So I just applied on a whim. In the essay, they asked, why do you want to come to Tulane? And I was honest. I just said, I don't know that I do. I just am applying. Like I was just straight up, didn't fuck with it. And I got to, when I got into law schools, I went on a road trip for a month by myself to visit all the schools I'd got into because I applied all throughout the South. I just, that was really where I wanted to go. So I started in Texas and drove all the way up to Maryland and New Orleans was just a little pit stop. Hadn't even gotten into the school yet. Didn't know anything about it. I just wanted to go to New Orleans. And within 10 minutes of being there, I was like, this is it. Like, I don't even care. This is where I'm going to be. It was pouring rain with these big canopy trees. Like, I could barely see out of the windshield. There's, like, all these, like, shadowy trees swaying, gray, water flying everywhere. And then I'm, like, parked in front of a cemetery with all the raised um, graves and all of, like, the marble, crazy old. And I'm just, like, was looking out my car because it was raining so hard. I couldn't even get out of the car. And I was just, like, oh, my God. I was obsessed. And now I look back and I'm like, what a freaking weirdo. <laughs> oh, I like, love why? It. What? Embrace it. Let that freak flag fly. Oh, I do. <laughs> I do. But it's, it's funny because whenever people in law school, especially when I'd go to job interviews, they'd ask why Tulane. And I composed this like beautiful response about how New Orleans was. And these things are true as well. Once I got into looking into the school and the details of whether or not it would make sense, 
Um, the school is in a community that's very underserved in a city that's still rebuilding after all those years. Um, there's a lot of public interest programs and I wanted to go into public interest work. Um, there were a lot of reasons that matched up too, but obviously I was never going to go into like a law firm and say, oh my gosh, the rain in the cemeteries. Like I just want what a great way of like really showing like the importance of like honoring the journey and trusting the process you know and it's just like mm -hmm. I I love to look at the breadcrumbs of the past and see like how the things that interest me as a kid you know how they mm -hmm. are showing me what I'm how I'm here to serve I think as kids we're so connected to our dharma and we're so connected to like yes. our purpose here and then life happens and we're trying to like an insecurity figure happens yeah an insecurity and figuring out life happens and then it's just like an opportunity to just go back to basics and like what are the things that actually light you up because again when we're in our shadows the things that light us up is what helps us transmute our shadow mm -hmm. you know cool. So I want to, because there's things I was like preparing for this interview and <laughs> I was really excited because like hearing your story and hearing the challenges you've gone through, like at a young age, it just felt mm -hmm. like, oh my God, someone who understands what the fuck I've gone through. Because otherwise I'm like, I talk to people, all these stories like, oh my God, like you've had shit. And it's like, yeah, like I don't dwell on it. Like if anything, it's made me stronger. And I know you feel that mm -hmm. same way too. Mm -hmm. And you're very passionate about like the whole mental health. I know with growing up with um, a, like a drug abused, abusive mother and having these, these really gnarly stories that you had from childhood. And when I was listening and preparing, I was listening to your podcast, Shadow Light, and I was listening to your first one. And what was really, there's something really beautiful that you said about when you were diagnosed with bipolar depression. And you were saying how like you were diagnosed at a young age with bipolar depression, but you threw your meds away because it wasn't you that was bipolar depressed. It was your life mm -hmm. that was bipolar depressed. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, damn girl, that's massive. <laughs> and I think a lot of times, you know, we, we put so much of the blame on ourselves, but a lot of it, it's like, it's, it's the exterior and it's kind of like out of our control of like our environment and our circumstances, especially as children. So I would just love to hear a little bit about that, you know, having that realization that like it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't that you were, you had bipolar, bipolar depression. It was that your life was. Right. So Growing up, my mom was, she, both of my parents used drug and, drugs and alcohol, and my mom is, she started using meth at 12. Her dad and her stepmom had given her some. So it was like just a turbulent upbringing. She had her own chaos, and she just was like kind of permafried in her brain at 12. So in a lot of ways, she was a little kid, and she was my best friend, um, but she was super unstable and emotional and um, just kind of anything that you'd think of as like a 12 year old adult using drugs and alcohol. And then my dad, who I don't talk about him a lot or in depth because he's also still alive. And I think there's some respect and boundaries there. Um, and he still is not really willing to talk about a lot of these things himself. He's, we still have a little bit of a strained relationship. Um, not strained. We're, we're good, but it's very surface level good. It's very like, we just have that agreement because anytime things come up he just freaks he, he can't 
So, but his, he, my, both of my parents were young when they got married. They were both using drugs and alcohol. And my mom was more of the like sweet, emotional, vulnerable. And my dad was more of the reactive, explosive, um, just neither one of them could handle their shit. And it was just a lack of maturity, emotional development, you know, all we could psychoanalyze it all day. Um, but so when my parents got divorced, my mom really went off the rocker. I was living with her. I wasn't speaking with my dad because he was kind of more of that, um, the, the negative energy or what I identified as the, the abuse and the chaos. And a lot of that came from him. And I was very protective of my mom. And part of that protection of my mom was that I always felt like there was more that wasn't being addressed. So she went into a rehab facility and it's like, just get sober, just sober up and get clean. And even at like nine, 10 years old, I was kind of sitting there like, but she's living with this man who's, you know, doing what he's doing. Like she's not in this good relationship and she doesn't have a solid family. Her family are mostly addicts. Um, you know, she's got these, like, all of these things that are happening. There just were so many weird dynamics that even as a kid, I'd look at and be like, but maybe she's using these drugs and alcohol because of these other things, not vice versa. Like, maybe these other things don't exist because she's an alcoholic, but because, or maybe the alcoholism is there because of what she has in her life. Mm -hmm. And so there just was always this kind of push and pull of me. I saw it. I understood it from, like, as long as I can remember. And I really advocated for that. And I was really the fighter. You know, I would get between my parents. I took care of my little brother. I was just the little Aries child going after everybody and making sure everybody stays in line. Especially when you're the firstborn, you feel like that there's too. Like yeah. a deeper responsibility of like, oh, I have to look Heck like sure. I have to have my shit together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, that's like the Alcoholics Anonymous, the Al-Anon kind of the psychology theory of it. Mm -hmm. um, and definitely there's that. And there's also definitely like my little brother was the clown and the like easygoing, keep everything mellow. Um, there definitely were those dynamics. But um, yeah, so that kind of was when my parents got divorced to that point, my mom had only really been drinking and maybe using some like Xanax or pills or something. Like she hadn't really gone so off the deep end, but after the divorce, she really went off the deep end. You know, that was the love of her life. She just wasn't stable. She didn't know what to do on her own. Like there were so many dynamics and that was when she started using meth again. And, or maybe she had used it in the past, but it just hadn't been a predominant thing. So when I was 11, 12, I was living with my mom, wasn't speaking to my dad. My mom would disappear for days on end or she'd come home. And it was a lot of me trying to take care of her. And it just became really dysfunctional and chaotic. But at the same time, she was my best friend. I loved her. All I wanted was to be with my mom. So after a few things that were really gnarly happened, I moved out. I moved in with a friend from church and I was, I think like 12. It was the summer between eighth and ninth grade. At the beginning of the summer, I said, I'm leaving. I'm out. I can't do this. You have to get sober before I come back. And so for me, I was like, this is just the ultimatum that's just going to make her get clean and then everything's going to be good. So I went and stayed with a friend. She went into rehab and in that rehab facility, she was diagnosed with bipolar schizophrenia. And was started on just a heavy course of medications. And that was basically the beginning of 10 years of 25 different diagnoses, hundreds of medications in and out of homes, just this crazy turbulent ride. And so 
when I was diagnosed, when I went to the first therapist and was diagnosed with bipolar depression was at the time when I had just left my mother's house or I had, I just left the friend that I had been staying with back up. So basically the friend I was staying with, once my mom got her diagnosis, the friend said, you know, you're a kid, you have a choice here because you're old enough to know if you really don't want to be with your dad, we, we will support you in trying to pursue an emancipation. But we think that your family is your family and you should at least try to be with him. And she's like, we're not going to push you. We support you either way. But she basically talked me into giving living with my dad a try. So I moved in with my dad and he really, in hindsight now, like he really was doing his best and he, it's just his limitations. So, you know, I'm so grateful and so glad that I went with that route because I do love him dearly. It's just, it still was very chaos and turbulent. And he was living with who his girlfriend who would become my stepmom and we really didn't get along and there just were so many dynamics of not being able to talk to my mom because she was in a home where she could only talk one day a week to the outside people and uh, missing her wanting to be with her not wanting to be with my dad my dad was traveling a lot trying to wrap up the loose ends of a business he was selling um my stepmom and I just were fighting constantly. It just was so many things. I also started high school. I moved there a week before starting high school, which everybody knows is a fun time anyway, but they moved to Fort Beach, California, which is one of like the wealthiest communities in the yep. country. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm making that up, but I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> no, it and is. Just, I mean, I, I went to school in Orange County, so I know. Yeah, so yeah. all of a sudden I'm going to high school people that are like wearing juicy sweatsuits and Louis Vuitton bags like I didn't even know what these things were before I moved there they're like driving Porsches like they're probably like their mommies and dad like they would get upset because their mommies and daddies weren't buying them something or weren't doing something like and I don't want to knock it at all because there are definitely people with their problems and every like that's the blessing of having gone there is I met a lot of people and realized like oh it's not all as it appears you know like sometimes the castle is also the prison but when I first got there I was like this isn't real. Like these people don't have real problems. Like this life, it was mind blowing. So especially, especially as a 13 year old, you know, and like, yeah, you're, you're going literally. through this like deep shit and then you're seeing and like, hormones. Yeah. What is this? What is this? Yeah. Thing? yeah. So, you've had to like, and from hearing your journey, it was like making that decision in eighth grade that you weren't going to be in that space. That was, you know, that's a very adult kind of thing to do like that's not the thing the average 12 year old thinks about yeah well and that's so that's part of my upbringing is I was really the adult in most capacities or in a lot of capacities from a young young age from as long as I can remember one of my first memories is at like two or three years old and was a situation where I was being the adult so um and that's one of those things that I was saying that that relationship with the law school boyfriend who was always like like what you what and I'm like this is normal and he's like no honey um mm -hmm. yeah so that's all the framework that's the the whole I think that's the most like in-depth I've gotten into that story before but that's the whole framework for where I was at when I went to this doctor and she said you have bipolar depression take these pills and I was just like bitch please like are you for real I know like, I just told you what I'm going through I told you how freaking bipolar my life is that I want to be here that I just went from that extreme of living with my mom that way to this extreme of living with my dad I'm depressed because I miss my mom like you're gonna tell me that I need some pills to fix what I'm going through no pills gonna fix what I'm going through I know it's I remember when uh 
I grad I when I went into college, my best friend took her life my like in high school and my senior year of high school. And then I went into college and I was depressed. You know, my best friend just took her life. And two weeks after that, my grandfather died. So I like was and I already had a lot of depression and like deep shit of like my life before then. Like when I went to college, I was already at like 20 plus funerals in my life, you know, like a lot of death mm-hmm. and a lot of pain and trauma. And they wanted to give me pills, you know, that's what they're like, oh, take, take Adderall, take, take, um, take Trazodone, take like mm-hmm. all of these things, Ritalin. The first thing they wanted to give me Ritalin, I was falling asleep. And then they were giving me Adderall, wanted me to take 40 milligrams of Adderall a day, plus Trazodone to go to sleep at night. And I was yep. like, yep. this is yep. fucking insane. Like, I just need someone to like hold that space for me and to like, allow me to process what the fuck is going on because this is not normal. Like this is not normal. And through that, like there was a lot of PTSD, like, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, I live in Joshua tree where I'm like, the, the, the Marine base 29 palms is down the street, you know, and there's real PTSD around me in that sense too, that we're so used to seeing as PTSD. But we also have our own traumatic stresses in our lives that don't look like the normal PTSD that is publicized and the the things that you went through most definitely that's fucking trauma like that's hilarious because that's that's also a big part of my story that I talk about is you know the first time I found I found my my therapist in New Orleans that changed my life like she's the angel of my life and she um, specializes in trauma And I didn't find her for that reason. She's also a holistic therapist. So I found her because she talked about not identifying the person as their issue, not going like unmedicated. Like we had a lot of buzzwords in common, but she did her PhD in trauma and in, um, she like worked with a horse whisperer, nonverbal communication and worked on all these crazy cases. And basically after the first session, we started, it was after a couple sessions, we had the talk about like what your diagnosis would be if I did a diagnosis. Cause that was the other thing. She doesn't do diagnoses. And that was my like selling point was I did not want to be given a diagnosis. And she said, you know, if I had to for insurance or for paperwork purposes, um, it would be PTSD. And I remember just being like, what are you talking about? And I literally found this therapist like in the same month or around the same month or two that I started dating that boyfriend who was really my mirror in me seeing everything that I went through. And um, yeah, I just was like, you're crazy. I'm not a veteran. I didn't go to war. Like I haven't seen bombs and I don't have PTSD. So it really did take about like two years of reading and learning about it and working with her and um, kind of easing into like the trauma world to believe that I had some form of trauma, but I still didn't believe it, didn't let myself have that like label or title, which again, I don't particularly believe in labels, but um, it wasn't until I met about a year ago, I met a soldier who was in Fallujah and had major PTSD. His body froze up when he um, basically started feeling any emotions, like anything got too intense. He just would literally physically freeze. He had seen tons of doctors, specialists, like nobody could figure out his shit and it was trauma. And he had told me after we started getting close and we started sharing and talking, he was like, you know, we're the same, right? Like we saw different wars, but we both have seen wars. Mm -hmm. And it was almost, or it wasn't almost like, it was like, he gave me this permission 
to stop judging myself, to stop judging the label, to stop judging and saying like, no, I don't have a label or saying this is my label. Like it doesn't even need to be either or. It was like, we're this, we were having very similar human experiences. Like we both had similar night terrors and like sleeplessness and like restful legs or restless leg syndrome, like just all these crazy things that it was like, oh, okay, I have permission to be who I am, to have gone through what I've gone through. Um, maybe also in a way too that like, I felt so guilty because I am also like a white girl who was living in Orange County, who had a family with like, my parents didn't have money growing up, but in high school, my dad started making good money. And I kind of felt like, who am I to have gone through these things? Like, who am I to say that I have trauma? Like, I don't live in a bad neighborhood. I don't have, you know, it was, it was like, I always was discrediting what I had been through because somebody else had been through more or because, Uh you know, and it's just, it's judgment. Yeah. Cause then, cause then it's like, especially I feel like being the older child, cause through my experience, it was like, yeah, there are people out there who have it way fucking worse than me. And it's like, well, I still have to put up this, like, almost like a front of like, to make sure that everyone else is okay around me. And it's like, there can be that spiritual bypassing that we have, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's super dangerous. Like I know through my, I talk a lot about spiritual bypassing on yeah, this, same. on this. And I was just on uh, Samantha Skelly's a, a podcast for hunger mm-hmm. for happiness. And we were talking about that too, about like mm-hmm. spiritual bypassing, especially as spiritual leaders, like the love and light path. And like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not, it's not real. Like it's I mean, not- literally that's why I'm so obsessed with shadows. Like this is yeah. exactly why I'm obsessed with the darkness. Like when people come to me and tell me, I've had people come to me and talk about, you know, somebody in their family being a child molester, somebody in their family being, I shouldn't even put that label. See, as soon as I said that, I'm like somebody who had that experience, you know, their family member had been you know, I've had, there's a, there's a deeper thing to their action. Right. Right. Yes, and there's just a deeper people, thing. Always, always. And it's just amazing because it's the point that I'm at now is people come to me with all their shit. And so many people in my, like my families, my friends, I have a lot of people in my life that are like, how, why do you want to hear that all the time? Like, that's so negative. Cause you, you see their light. Exactly. So I'm like, you can't have the bright, like the light doesn't come without the shadow. Like it's just, it's Absolutely. the same thing. It, it exists. Maybe it's in less amount for some people. Like maybe somebody won't, will, some people don't live with those extremes in their lives. Like they will go through their life without the crazy roller coasters, but they will have their own version of a crazy roller coaster. And to them, it's just as intense because they don't have the perspective or the experience of the higher highs or lower lows. So it still is the same shit at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So that's just for me, the shadow work is the light work and it's the only way to the light through the light. It's, it is the light. And so I just, I want to live in a world where instead of looking at people who have committed crimes as criminals, we look at them as people who are deeper story. Mm -hmm. Right. There's always a deeper story. I've worked Mm -hmm. with, I mean, the amount of people that I've worked with and I only, I quit my legal job seven months out of law school. So I only worked through internships and through that first job. So I don't even have the 10 years in the trenches that a lot of my mentors and um, people that I worked under did. And so I, the stuff that I've seen is like very minimal compared to what they've seen. And I still like, I've 
worked with um, a couple prisoners who were on death row, like had death sentences. And they all, every single one of them have their story. Every single one of them have things that have led them to where they are. And that's not to say, hey, we should just blow it off or like write it off. Like, oh, well, they were just going through something. Let them have it. Like, yeah, we need to be held accountable. This, for is, where it, this is also where compassion comes in. Yeah. And empathy comes in. And more than that, this is where humanity comes in because there's a, there's so much, there's richness in listening to people and hearing their stories and, and helping hold that space or that container for them to understand or see that there is alternatives. You know, there is Mm -hmm. another way that like, just because you grew up in like an alcoholic and drug abusive family doesn't mean that has to be your reality for the rest of your life. It's your willingness to choose else differently is your willingness yeah. to be like, I, I, I don't consent to this to be my reality and then taking action. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that a lot of times, like people who've gone through a lot of shit, like we're here to like really help people understand that they aren't alone because yeah. that is a lot of it. Like a lot of people don't want to project their shit out they don't want to talk about it because they're afraid of like judgment or like throwing Mm -hmm. their shit but there are certain people that have that depth and that capacity and usually those are the people that have been doing the work yeah you know if you haven't been doing the work it's it can be it's your container can't may not be as deep to hold those those stories or to hold those conversations as someone who's just living life on a surface level Right. And so there's, that's the other thing that's really, there's depthness in the dark. Yeah. And you know, it really is incredible too, because I've learned so much. I think about even, even when I started my, like this, this journey, this thing that I see of, like, I do see my life in chunks. I think a lot of us see like our different versions of ourselves at different periods of life. Right. So for me, this version of myself really started with that breakup and everything led up to that breakup that like set the foundation for me doing the work that I've done since then. But like, that was the point of like desperation for help, for change, like needing to do, I'd spent hours a day reading, researching, like diving into personal development, spiritual growth, all that, whatever. Um, and it, like I had done it in the past, but never to that extent. So, um, I totally just lost my train of thought of what I was even saying. There is a depth. There is a depth of what you're going through. I used to, when I first started that, A, I would get pissed off when people would say, you make, you have a choice of what you become or what you do, because I was still in that victim story of like, well, that's easy for you to say, you haven't been through what I've been through. And now I'm like, like, it really literally is a choice, but sometimes it's such a deeper choice that takes being in your pain for a while and being in the pity before you're and ready it takes to a journey of self-love and like worthiness mm-hmm. and acceptance as well yeah yeah you know, i think when you're in those spaces too you can have those lower levels of worth for mm-hmm. a long time because that's you've just become numb yes you've become and numb totally and the other thing that really like came came to my mind when we were talking about that too was that you don't always necessarily have to go through things in order to understand them or hold space for them or have empathy for them I do hear a lot of people talking about especially in um, if it's like the opposite of the love and light community is the like you have to go through shit like this is it has to be hard it has to be it doesn't I have one of the most supportive people in my life, the person who was the first person that I ever told that I was having suicidal thoughts, that I was like in the darkness that I was in, the person that I called regularly during that period and who 
always showed up with me for me without question without fail. And she's now, I mean, it's my best friend from law school. She's now a public defender in Brooklyn. So she's working in, you know, all of the same kind of shadow work, but in the survival mode. And she had her stuff. Like she, you know, we all have our stuff. So that's not to say like, oh, she hasn't been through anything. But at that point in her life, she hadn't been through that like dark night of the soul, the deeper. She actually has a lot of things coming up in her life now that are starting to propel her into that. But even in that place in her life where she had had a pretty privileged upbringing and, um, you know, she had parents and again, we all have our stuff. Her life was not perfect. She had tons of her own angst, but relatively speaking, she hadn't been through that same kind of depth of, or like intensity of the trauma, chaos, darkness. And yet she is the most open, loving, like, you could, I could come to her with my darkest, deepest things. And I did. And she just sat there and she's like, I totally get how you would feel that way. I don't get it. Like I can't, I haven't experienced it, but I could see how that would be. Like, what has that been like for you? And she just held this incredible space for me in this time. And this, she had this deep understanding of me and, you know, wanting to I, I like, I don't even know. It's like such a profound, beautiful, one of the biggest blessings of my life was to have this person and she hadn't been through it herself. She has spent her life supporting other people who have been through it. So I just, I don't know why I felt that was really important to say, because I do think that a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on having to go through hard things or having to have life be hard in order for it to be really deep or in order for you to be able to hold the space or be empathetic. And it's just, it's, again, it's a choice we make, you know, like we can choose to see the world in a different light. We can choose to go into those darker places. We can choose to be open to other people coming to us with their stuff and not understanding it on an experiential level, but being able to say like, empathize to be able to empathize and to see you feel like that's been your like driving force with shadow light podcast too is like knowing Uh, that like not everyone has to have it like as bad or whatever I think that's kind of a newer thing for me I mean I, I I knew that that was true before but when I started the podcast it was like I had quit my legal job. I put all my stuff in storage. I was living with a friend in Dallas because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. And I had this friend who's like, come stay with me. He let me bring my two cats and my dog is like, like my respite place. And I didn't work for the first three months of 2018. I just stayed in Dallas and I was teaching Pilates and like doing random little freelance writing gigs, but it was totally like part-time uncommitted. Didn't have to pay rent. was just kind of like getting my head on straight. You're also was- Saturn return. No, I haven't started it yet. Because it, well, how old are you? Edge of it. Huh? How old are I'm you? I'm 29, but it starts at a different time for everybody. I okay. have my, my astrologer. <laughs> I actually okay. have not entered that yet, but I had some other things going on in my chart with my Pluto, which is like your dark night of the soul. Right. Um, that was during, so like the first thing that she said when she did my reading was like, whoa, you know, this time period was gnarly. And I was like, that was my two years. Like, mm-hmm. What? how did you know? I hadn't told her anything. I didn't even like, like there was no way I was before I had put everything online. So it wasn't like she could have looked it up. I was just like, what? Um, but yeah, no, I think it started as a place of like, I was finally sitting in the silence and processing the past two years of that darkness. And I was like, 
oh, like everybody, I want other people who have been through the same thing as me to have it. But now that I've been doing it for, it's been less than a year, like maybe seven or eight months. Now I'm getting to a point where I'm kind of having that deeper evolution of like, wait, this isn't just about the shadow and the people that have been through the hard, dark periods. This is about bringing everybody into this and being able to talk about the shadow, even if you haven't been through the dark periods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, I think a lot of the African proverb, like if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I think those periods in our lives where we're just like so internalized, that's how we get out of it quicker too, is Mm -hmm. because we're so focused on it. And it's like, okay, like I, this is, this is part of the path of choosing. Yeah. Elsewise is because otherwise is because it's like you going in that fast space alone where you're like just in it, you know, and there is something really beautiful there. Like, course things can get really fucking tough and you can have other friends that help and support you but it's like you committing to your path you committing to choosing a different Mm -hmm. life like yeah go fast alone you know and then once you get out of that we come together to go far yes and I think that's it's that's so true and I love that because that's for me at least that was the only way I could have done it and it's I chose it on a soul level and I chose it. I mean, I broke up with the boyfriend that started that whole period and I knew that I wanted more and things were going, we basically were just starting on different paths. But at the same time, I, I was the one that after the breakup, he was kind of like, okay, well, we're going on different paths. That's what we're doing. And I was like, hold on, wait a second. So it's, it's funny. Cause I, I look back and I'm like, I made a lot of choices that literally I forced myself to be alone, like moving to another city. And then um, I had a lot of friends that were going out and living in different lifestyles. And I chose to not involve myself in that. And it wasn't even like a, I'm better than that, or I don't want to do that. Or it was, it was literally just like, I just kept choosing to be alone and to go into the work, but I wasn't doing it on a conscious level. It was like, like, it was all just so, even when I broke up with my ex, it was literally like, the day before we weren't having the conversation and then the day we had the conversation and looking back, I also have things where I'm like, mm, maybe you shouldn't react so much, Brie, but it was like the day we had the conversation and um, I kind of asked him, I'm like, what do you want? Like, it just feels like, like, what, what are we doing? Do you want to be with me? Do you want to do this? Like a few things had come up and we were kind of going back and forth about him. And I was like, what do you even want? And he said, he didn't know. And I was like, well, that's all I need to know. Like, if you don't know, if you, that's, you an answer. Answer. that's an answer. Level. I don't know. Is right. If you don't know on a basic level that you want to be with me and that you want to like build this after a year of all day, every day being like, you're it, you're it, you're it. I want to be with you. If, if you suddenly don't know, then fuck that. Like I, we might not know how it works, but I want to at least know that, you know, you want it to work. Mm-hmm. But the next day I was kind of like, Oh God, what did I do? Oh God. What did I sign up for? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, we, we really do. We choose our paths. Even if, even if he had broken up with me and I wasn't the one that do, did it, you know, I still would have chosen. I entered that relationship. I chose, do you know, I would have chosen to stay and it would have been hard. It's part right, of that. Right, yeah. So it is, it is a lot of hindsight looking back and being like, okay, I wanted this. But then in the moment, it's like, <laughs> I know. And that also takes work. You know, the more you do the deep inner work, 
the more you realize when those moments come, you can be able to like be in that hawk perspective and understand that like you're not the victim of it, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can understand that like, okay, this is how this is all supposed to unfold. And I trust like it's, that is, that to me is the path of trust and like Mm -hmm. understanding, trusting the universe and knowing that like, it's all happening for you and not to you and all is flowing according to divine plans. So that's where the idea of surrender or trusting Mm -hmm. or knowing, and that comes also when you have that deeper relationship with yourself, which the inner work and the aloneness offers you because you can, you have to become your own best friend in those moments too. And that's where you really discover who you are. And that's what I think is some of the greatest blessings of the shadow is that it's a deeper journey of you discovering you. Mm-hmm. Like yep. all facets of you. Yep, absolutely. It's 150%. That's, but that's, that's why I say you can't have one without the other because it's like those parts that you avoid, you ignore, you oppress, you deny, they're still there. They're still a part of you. They're just hiding in that darkness. Mm-hmm. And so then they're controlling you because you're doing, you're designing your life to get around them. You're designing your life to avoid feeling it. When things come up that you don't want to deal with, you just don't deal with them. So you move on, but they always come back for you. And so, I mean, Hey, if you want to live your life that way in this lifetime, then that's your prerogative and you get to do you. But I do think that you're going to miss out on some depth in life. And I do also think that you're going to have a shit ton of work for the next life, whether you believe in that or not. Definitely. Well, I don't know what happens with but something. (laughs) What's been coming through with me too is like your human experience, H-U-E, like your experience as light. And so you being on this planet, it's like you are here to shine light on your shadows so that you can shine brighter as well. So I think that's also part of the journey of like, embracing all facets of the human experience is like going there's this like I live in Joshua Tree I see stars if I go to San Diego or Newport Mm, I don't see stars because of city pollution you know so to me there's there is magic in the darkness and like the roots think about when you plant a seed it grows in the darkness and then it comes to the surface to the light to bloom. Mm-hmm. So I just, I'm a huge advocate of like embracing shadow work. I'm a huge advocate of like yeah. honoring the journey, trusting the process, embracing all facets of your human experience and allowing you to understand that whatever it is you've gone through, that is part of your purpose and your mission. And this mm-hmm. is part of you unleashing your medicine with the world because the very things that have helped heal you they can for damn sure help someone else down the line as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's that whole journey. So to wrap up, I want to ask just a quick lightning round questions. This has been a really powerful conversation because I don't get to talk about this often. So thanks again. Um, Mm -hmm. But I want to know, so what is your definition of sovereignty? I just think of like independence, but I'm like, that's the only thing I could think. I panicked. I really panicked there for a second. No, that's no, but that's, but that's it. And that's the independence. Because that, but that independence right there is you choosing like who you are, you know, and yeah. in, in that independence, you're choosing that sometimes we don't know things and sometimes mm-hmm. like there, there is there, but like it's there. And to me, that sovereignty is like freedom and it's like, choose your choice. Like to me, I see you as sovereign. Like I see you as choosing. Mm-hmm. I see you as living. I see you as being, but I think, I feel like independence is definitely that because you're independent from what is happening in life yeah 
It's so funny that 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 is also so funny because I literally like my face got hot and I panicked and like independence came in my head, but I just was like, oh my god, oh, okay, okay. I was like, oh, oh what do, I don't. Oh. The journey of independence, because we're all on this path of sovereignty, and I think like especially doing the deep shadow work, like that is that is the path is like mm-hmm. being sovereign beings of choosing to not to be to be independent of our circumstances you know and to understand that like there is independence there that you don't have to be the circumstances of whatever it is like that's your opportunity Mm -hmm. to choose to rise so what would you say has been like the most profound book that you've read um trauma the body keeps the score by Bessel van der Kolk is was a big one for me because that was my introduction into trauma and it's just such a profound book about I mean he's one of the like lead thought leaders of trauma work in general and he does he's a doctor I'm pretty sure he's an MD and he does traditional medicine psychiatry um but he over the years his wife does body work somatic something psychosomatic work and basically at the end of his book or he talks about all different components of trauma and how we literally keep it in our body Um, But in essence, he, after his whole career of working in the mind and working with the like psychiatry and the trauma work of processing things, he reached a point where he was like, that is important, but it's not enough. Like we hold it physically in our body. We hold it in the way we move. We carry it with us. It's a cellular thing. And if we don't physically process it, if we don't, whether it's through exercise, body work, whatever resonates with you then it's still in you. And then it also transfers to the next generation. And it's, it just taught me a lot of things that I was like, really, what? Cause I, my whole life prior had just thought like, if you're fucked up in your head, you're fucked up in your head and that's all there is, you yeah, know, like symbiotic yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other one would be untethered soul. Right? Oh, me too. That's like my favorite book. Reread it. Reread it. Uh, I've read it. it. I've read it. At and least I read twice. it so slow. The first time I read it, I would literally read like two or three pages and then be like, Psh, what? That's that, blown. that's my top book. Hands mm-hmm. down. I yeah. hear you. Yeah, yeah. That one. And, um, the Power of Myth from Joseph Campbell are my two, oh, like the yeah. hero's journey. I was going to say the ultimate shadow worker, <laughs> the OG. The OG, Joseph Campbell. Yeah. Amazing. So um, I know you were talking about earlier too with your therapist and how like it wasn't just about therapy, but she was working more on like holistic therapy and mm-hmm. things like that. So how do you see that as um, part of the revolution of mental health? I just think that, I mean, it, it is the revolution. So the other thing is, like, when I was in law school, um, one of my summer jobs I did at a holistic public defender office. So it was in the mental health department of the public defense. So what that means is that anybody who had a diagnosis, which is still kind of in the old paradigm, like, it's going to take a lot of time, or maybe it won't, but it probably will, especially in the legal realm. Um, it'll take time to shift. But in essence, if you have a diagnosis and you were accused of a crime or you had to go to a public defender for some reason, then you'd go to these specialized public defenders in the mental health department. And then they worked with a social worker and you had like a whole holistic process of your assistance. So it wasn't just defending you in court. It was making sure you're getting help in all of the realms. Um, And I know you asked about therapy, but that was just the first thing that came to mind because I think that it's 
that's how the mental health perspective is going to be shifting in every realm is getting out of this like well you're just screwed up in your head or like it's just in here like shaming right and also like trying to fix somebody or like trying to tell them they're broken instead of looking at the whole picture and the whole experience and thinking about like the environment that people are living in because you can also have a physically toxic environment if you live in mold you might have you know mental health issues because your chemistry is off there's so many different things that contribute to um our human experience that are physical on this human plane that I think have been are there only we're, we're only scratching the surface of what that even is like mm-hmm. I mean, one of the most profound therapies that I've done is I worked with a myofascial release um, and she, she worked specifically in trauma. And so she did body work for people with trauma and every human has trauma, but like for people with more severe trauma. And that was something that my therapist had told me to give a try. But my therapist also told me to make sure I found somebody who specializes in people with trauma because they open up, it has to be a safe container. They open up deep wounds like it's just it's it's crazy because well the fascia is one piece it's like one muscle that surrounds the body and it wasn't even like a hard massage like there would be times where she literally would just very slowly kind of pull down on my arm and then all of a sudden I'd feel something in my shoulder on the opposite side and then I'd feel this wave of emotion and just like what the like I didn't fully believe it before I did it and I was like there, I mean, that's part of why now I just believe anything and everything. Cause I'm like the amount of things that I've done that I used to think there's no way they'd work. And they were like the most profound changers that now I'm just like, well, okay, I believe anything might work. I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But <laughs> So do you feel like there's going to be um, like a healing of the stigma around mental health sooner than later? I don't know. I want to say yes. I want to believe in yes. I see that a lot is changing. I think a lot of people still hold on to the old paradigm. I think that Um, a lot of what's happening in our world is actually digging up a lot of stigma, like, or releasing a lot of stigma, like even with having Donald Trump in office, I think that his role has been to dig up a lot of shadow that people bring it all up to the surface. Right. And so it's, I mean, from the beginning, like, I I was very upset. I didn't believe he would be elected. That was a very traumatic thing for me. (laughs) Like I was living in my little liberal bubble in law school. So it was even worse because we were all like, nobody thought it would happen but it only took me a couple days after it happened to be like oh this is the best thing because Mm -hmm. this is what's going to bring it all up like there's no more denying the racism there's no more denying Mm -hmm. sexism there's no more like it is so in your face so I do think that in a lot of ways the world is just going to keep evolving and throwing things at us to make us deal with it but I do also think and maybe I'm biased because I worked in the law which is a very old and um old paradigm and structured environment that resists change and has a lot of takes a lot of time to change I do think there are a lot of systems and government and um, parts of business and the world that are still resisting the change that will kind of drag it on a little bit oh yeah I hear you I know I think like I'm very passionate about politics and and I was thinking about going to law school as a kid and mm-hmm. seeing like the newest like Congress people that are coming through that are like the more progressive and yeah. seeing that a lot of the change is happening. Like people in the White House are freaking and the Capitol are freaking the fuck out because it's like yeah. a disruption. It's a sacred disruption yes. 
that it like, wouldn't have happened if something didn't happen to make us demand totally totally like, that's what I, so many liberal friends are like he's the worst thing that's happened to the country and I'm like but is he though I mean yeah. would this have happened if he weren't here maybe it would have I don't know but it wouldn't have yeah. happened that fast I can tell you that. I mean it's a, it's a very interesting thing to bear witness to and watch and I was I was I was a volunteer for Bernie Sanders so it was like it's very fascinating for me to like watch it all and be like oh my god like it's funny I was never into politics and I was also the person in law school where everybody would be talking about politics and it went so over my head I was just like like I went there to advocate for the people like I mm-hmm. wanted to work in the trenches I wanted to help people with my, people like I wanted to help people with mental health which is ironically doing that work is also what made me not want to do that work because I realized <laughs> that I was working in the system and in the system is not the pinnacle for change. And I'm so glad that I had that experience, but that was just never going to be where I made my impact. Right. And there needs to be people who do it. But I just was like, like I move so fast. My energy is so fast. Like once I make up my mind about something, it's going to happen. Like I Mm -hmm. want it to change. I would not have had the tenacity or the patience to stay within the system my whole life. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone like my best friend from law school, she struggles with it, of course, because it's hard. It's so hard, but she is just so tenacious and like open and wants to fight. Like she's just so in it that she just keeps showing up and doing it. Maybe there'll come a time where she doesn't, but people like that should be doing that work. And I, yeah, but I, and I feel like with you that you're <laughs> doing with your podcast too, it's like, I know what I say with form. my podcast, it's a different form of that. It's like, I feel like podcasts are, is a grassroots movement of like healing and connection and sharing messages. And I don't know about you, I get emails all the time from people. Every day, literally every day. How it's like help, how it's supporting people. And like, that's the grassroots movement and how we implement change and transmute trauma in this country and in our lives Mm -hmm. is by like going back to the people like the constitution mm-hmm. says we the people and so we need to like go back to the people and hear what the people need and I feel like conversations that you have on your podcast conversations that I have on my podcast conversations our friends have on their podcast like mm-hmm. that is how we are holding a container to offer this for the people to mm-hmm. heal to transmute to think and to have conversation I think that's the biggest thing that's going to heal this country Okay, so last two questions. What would you say to younger Brianna from everything that you've endured and gone through? Stop taking it so fucking seriously. <laughs> Stop taking yeah. life so seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. And what would you want to share with anyone who's listening to this, who's going through trauma, that's had the journey? We covered so much today. The PTSD, you know, like speaking up, being cha- a change maker in the world. What would you share? I mean, honestly, the thing that just keeps coming up is just one step at a time. Like, I know for me, for so long, I wanted to get from zero to 60. Like, I wanted to go from being so dark and so deep and in my pain to, like, living my best life ever. And I, I, I like I said, I move really fast. Like, it's insane the amount of things that have happened even in the past year of my life. Like, literally a year ago, I had just moved in with my friend in Dallas and had no idea what I was doing. And like, it's, it's crazy how fast things happen once you get to a place where you're in yourself and really able, like you're, it's the magnetism thing, right? Like you can call things into your life 
and you've processed enough. But um, I also, I find myself frustrated at how far I'm not yet, you know, like where I want to be next. Like I just, I still have a lot of things that come up with my grief, with my, you know, a lot of the same kind of neuroses or grief patterns or things that'll come up. And I don't give myself forgiveness or grace a lot of times I'll be like god damn it why are we here again Brianna like why are we feeling this life is so much better like you should be over it by now or this or that and it's kind of like you know what I've like look at where I came from and look at where I want to go and they're so far apart there has to be a path to get there and it's going to be a little rocky it's going to be a little windy it's going to have its ups and downs as does anything worth doing in life it's just not going to be a streamlined quick way like no matter how fast you move it still has to be the process so it's still going to have the waves so I guess giving yourself grace and forgiveness and love and just letting it be in the process and stop putting so much pressure on it to get where you want it to get right now it all <laughs> unfolds if you just yeah they can do in the work well amazing well thank you and I want you to share with us where we can find more of you um, Instagram is where I'm the most active, which I still am not that active all the time. I could get on that, but <laughs> Brianna saying things because always saying things with a Y B R Y. Yes. B R Y A N N A. And then saying things all one word. And then my website is Brianna D.com. D E E. Yes. Yes. Thanks. And your podcast is the shadow light. Podcast. Oh, duh. That's, I mean, that's, I, <laughs> I got you, girl. I, I just think you. we talked about it already. Okay. <laughs> I got you. No yeah, worries. I, mean, I got that's, you. That's my baby. That's my love child. That's my favorite place to be. So I hear you. Absolutely. That's how I feel about this place too. So yeah. thank you for being so vulnerable and authentic and real and so much of your of your radiance is felt. And I just appreciate you and all that you're doing. And um thank you. And I'm really excited to hear what you all have to say about this conversation because you are not your story and you have the power to choose the life that you want to create for yourself and how you show up and share your message and your light with the world. So thank you again for being here and we look forward to hearing from you all soon. Take care. So all in all, my love, you have the power to transform your pain into purpose. And I know that's the work that both of us are so passionate to be sharing with you all. So thank you again to my girl, Brianna. And this episode was so good because I want you to understand that really life is happening for you and not to you. And you are not a victim of your circumstances or your reality. So if you loved this podcast and you want to continue to be part of these conversations, I invite you to subscribe on your favorite platform. If you're listening on iTunes, please leave a review. It means the world. It really helps these conversations and this medicine to be delivered to more people. And yeah, just leave a five-star review and share what you love. And it means the world. It really brights my day when I'm going through my challenges and you know sometimes the journey of entrepreneurship is really tough it can be really lonely and really challenging and just reading those words of encouragement from you all about how this podcast has moved you it means the world to me so again thank you so much for tuning in and I'm excited to be sharing this journey with you continuing to share this journey with you and looking forward to seeing you and hearing from you soon take care Satnam.